0: Good morning and welcome to worship this morning. I invite you to stand if you'd like to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this day um, that you've given us, this day that we can gather together to worship you, to hear your word, God, um, to spend time together in fellowship. God, I pray that you would be with us today, um, that we would see you, that we would um, draw close to you today, accept our worship. God, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word. Um, Thank you for this beautiful day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. what a Savior has done you see how his love overcomes he has done great things he has done great things oh hero of heaven you conquer the grave you free every captain and break every chain oh God you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, The name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captain and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. hallelujah God above it all hallelujah God unshakable hallelujah you have done great things hallelujah God above it all You've done great things, you've done great things. Oh hero of heaven, you conquer the grave, you free every captain, you break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken to life of Jesus. I Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You have done great things. Oh God, you do great things. Oh hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, O oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. for oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, O oh God. You have done great things. not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name. Step down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame The cross has spoken I am forgiven The King of kings Calls me His own Beautiful Savior I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. Salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my Lord. Then came the morning that sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe out of the silence. Again, then came the morning. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. High. your name cannot be overcome and your name is a light that the shadows can't deny your name cannot be overcome your name is a light That the shadows can't deny Your name cannot be overcome Your name is alive Forever lifted high Your name cannot be overcome Jesus, Silence, fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. And your name is a lie that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is alive, forever lifted high Your name cannot be overcome darkness trying to quiet him, right? Couldn't do it. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you to silence the boast of sin and rain. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's a word That will bless your heart King of endless worth No one could express How much you deserve Though I'm weak and poor All I have is yours Every single breath Coming back to the heart Coming back to the heart It's all about you, Jesus Coming back to the heart Coming back to the heart And it's all about you, Jesus
1: If God hasn't been glorified this morning, then we're not paying much attention, are we? Yes. Amen. And uh, we have our guest speaker this morning Perry Tripp, and he's from OBU, and he's a good-looking guy, isn't he? Taller than me and Roger. Anyways, uh, we just praise God for him. We praise God that he's with us this morning. And uh, sir, it's all yours. All right. Can you? Can everybody hear me? Awesome. How's everyone doing this morning? All right. Well, I don't think there's a better way to uh start a church service than to for some baptisms. Amen. Amen. And uh <laughs> Lord has the tendency Excuse me. Um, the Lord has the tendency to do uh to do this when um, when I get up to to preach is throughout the service I'm, I'm uh generally nervous beforehand. I'm like, Lord, what are you going to do? What's going to go on? And then throughout the entire service, he goes, I've been doing this. I've been taking care of everything. And so thing after thing, just, um, I'm just amazed by our King and by our Savior and what he does, um, among his people. And, uh, the nerves are, are particular this morning because um, the passage that, um, that he put on my heart to preach is uh, not one of the favorite passages that, uh, for people to, uh, to hear or preachers to preach, to be honest. Um, and so, see if there's a raise of hand. Who loves difficult passages? Nobody, nobody. Okay. Well, so here's um, the passage today is in Matthew chapter uh, Matthew chapter five, starting with verse forty-three, mm-hmm. and it's the lovely passage that tells us that we are to love our enemies. One of those ones that, if we had an eraser. There's a few of us that might just want to, Lord, let's just, right? <clears throat> because it's difficult. And I think that it is wise for us to accept that there are many things in, uh, in the life of a Christian that are difficult, that are hard to accept. Even the disciples more than once said, Lord, this is difficult. How do we accept this? Because he had to walk with them through it, right? He had to give them the strength to do it. <clears throat> and so um, before I get into the passage, let me go ahead and offer a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your son. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for salvation. Father, I thank you for the ministry that you have given us, so that we can go into the world and proclaim your word, your word of salvation and reconciliation. Father, I pray that you would bless this time and bless everyone here, that we would walk away having heard from you. I pray this in your son's holy and precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> you know one of the things with uh with difficult passages like this is uh, as people try to wrestle with them, um, <clears throat> worldly wisdom can sneak in can start to uh, twist things a little bit. And man doesn't make a lot of sense. And I find that so often in the church today as as we're trying to wrestle with the things of God, Satan steps in and says, you know. And you know, we have a story about that too. It's all the way back in Genesis. He sounded really wise," said. "But did he tell you, right? Did he tell you not to do this? Surely, you won't die." And so, as we as we um, address this today, as we look at this passage today, I'm reminded of the worldly wisdom that so often clouds. Our, our minds, and causes us not to love our enemies as we are supposed to. And as I was uh, meditating on this passage, uh, um, a quote from C.S. Lewis um, came to mind. He says, "Do not waste uh, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did." As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When when you're behaving as if you love someone, you will presently uh, presently come to love him. And so question, if that's the case with our neighbor, why not with our enemy? If it's the case with our neighbor, that we start to act as though we love them, and though we, and so we do. Why not with our enemy? So the passage, Jesus is uh, preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters... What are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that, of course, is the the fun part of this passage, is it doesn't just have two difficult sayings of Jesus. Or one, it has two, because the second one is, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we'll, uh, we'll dive into that in a minute. But the first thing I want to look at is the standard that he has for loving people. He starts out by saying, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. It says, you've heard it said, love your, love your neighbor. But your enemy over here, you can hate them. But there's another passage that reminds us about loving our neighbor. And what's the standard for loving our neighbor? Well, Jesus says <clears throat> that, it says, he's talking about the greatest commandment, and he says the second is this. Love your neighbor, what? As yourself. So if we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself, and he is leading us to understand that we're supposed to love our enemy just the same as our neighbor, that makes it even more difficult for us because there's no distinction. And we see that in what Jesus says as as he goes on to explain that God makes no distinction. He makes his rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, right? He doesn't make a distinction. He didn't say, well, you're on the naughty list, so no rain for you. And so, one of, the, uh, one of the ways we can try to wiggle around this is say, okay, well, maybe I won't hate my enemy. I just won't, maybe I won't love them quite as much as I love my neighbors. Jesus takes that from us too. Jesus takes that from us too. And um if you if you uh, study the Old Testament or the New Testament, um, Jesus used the, uses this language of hate. Also, another time in um, in Luke, talking about the uh, the cost of discipleship, and uh, and he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Well, goodness, what is Jesus talking about here? He's just he's saying over here, you're not supposed to hate, and over here that you, that you have to hate all these people that are so close to you and even yourself. Well, what Jesus is driving at is this notion of loving Less. Okay. And so if we think back on the Ten Commandments, it's the first one. Shall have no other God before me. That doesn't just mean ahead of him, but it also means beside him. There is no one equal. No one equal. Not my mother, not my father, not my wife or my children. Even myself. And so I have to love less all of those people. And so when Jesus is talking about hate, there, that's what he's talking about. He is getting at the heart of idolatry. You can't hold any of those people up to that standard. And of course, we understand that same thing when he's talking about uh, the two greatest commandments, as we just Uh, talked about, the second one. The first is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength. Right? And then the second one comes after that. And so we understand the same thing. And so the, the standard of loving people is incredibly high. Not to the point of more than God. But it is incredibly high. It's as much as we love ourselves and as much as we should love our neighbors and enemies all the same. No distinction. Jesus is driving at this hate. And interestingly, if you read the other passages around this, he says, you have heard it said, and then you can take those passages and go back into the Old Testament and see. you can't do that with the second part of this. In the Old Testament, it does say, love your neighbor as yourself, but it does not say, hate your enemy. What that is, that's worldly wisdom sneaking itself in into first century Judaism and teaching. That's what they understood. That's what they were taught. And Jesus is saying, let me set the record straight. This is what God wants you to know. God didn't say, hate your enemies. He wants you to love your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you, that's hard. We think about why that's so hard, and I thought about that, and there's two two main reasons that I thought about. Number one is pride, pride, because when we when we're injured in some way, the first instinct for at least most of us is, I will get you back, I will get you, I won't just get even. I'll get better, I guarantee it. We want to retaliate. Our pride wants us to retaliate, but we forget. Vengeance doesn't belong to us. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Paul tells us to make room for the Lord's vengeance. Lord knows I would not want to be in the middle of that when the Lord comes to make account with whoever that was. So he says, make room for the Lord's vengeance. Don't try to take it into your own hands. That's not yours, that belongs to him. And the second. Is confusion. I think confusion causes us to hate. And what I mean by that is we become convinced that people are our enemies because we interact with them. They're the ones that we see hurt us, but they're not the real enemy. The real enemy is the one enticing them into sin. The one causing them to hurt us. And if we're honest, the one causing us or enticing us into hurting other people, which is how we become enemies for other people. Paul speaks to this in Ephesians six 6:12. Uh, 6, he says, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of, the dark, of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. People are not our enemy. Our enemy is Satan and his legions. That's our enemy. And time and time again, he's going to put someone in our path and cause us to uh, despise them or hate them or, or have some ill feelings toward them to derail us so that we're focusing on them and not focusing on the real spiritual battle that we are facing. Because, folks, we are in a spiritual war. So often we forget that and we start getting into culture wars, and we start getting into all of this other stuff, and we start hating people, if they would just stop doing whatever. If I could make them stop doing whatever. They're not our enemies. In fact, our Lord says we are supposed to love them and pray for them. One thing that's so important for us to understand in the Christian walk is that Jesus led by example. So he didn't just say, do this. He did this. And so, first we, uh, we look at um, Ephesians chapter 5. Starting with verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, and walk in love. As Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. God gave himself as a sacrifice to us. Again. This is getting harder and harder. That is a high standard of love. But how do we see this play out in Jesus' life? Well, as he was being crucified, as he was being led up and being crucified, in Luke 23, 34, we read, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they're doing. Interestingly, he's talking about the Romans who had perfected the method of crucifixion. What on earth is he talking about? They don't know what they're doing. They were very good at crucifying people. So what could he be talking about? They don't know what they're doing. They thought they were killing a Jew. That's it. They thought they were killing a would-be Messiah. They had no idea that they were killing the King of Kings, the Son of God. They had no idea, and Jesus knew that. And so he prayed for those who were literally persecuting him. He prayed for them for forgiveness. Why would we do any different? Why would we do any different than our king and say that we follow him In another passage in Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 9, Paul talks about this same thing. He says, How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through, uh, through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will will we be saved to life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we, uh, we have now received this reconciliation. Paul says, We were under his wrath. We were enemies of God, and he sent his one and only son. While we were still his enemies, he showed that kind of love for us. Not just to come and tell us the truth, right? He didn't do like a Jonah thing and come and say, hey, guys, you got to get it straight and then walk out. He laid down his life so that we could be reconciled with God. And that, while we were still his enemies. So when Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, this is exactly the kind of example he was coming from. Paul ends that passage talking about reconciliation. And we go from from enemies of God under his wrath to reconciled. No longer enemies. But children of God, folks, that is amazing. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. It's not that we're, we're uh, ushered into the family and he says, okay, sit down, have a good time. It's great. No, no. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Starting with verse 16 he says from now on then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective anyone we do not see you from a worldly perspective even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective yet now we no longer know him in this way therefore if christ is in any uh, is if christ is if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away and see the new has come everything is from god who has reconciled us To Himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making His appeal through us we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then we come back to be perfect as your heavenly Father's perfect. See, the thread that goes through this that Jesus is trying to get us to understand is when he talks about perfect, the other um, uh, the other kind of understanding of what perfect means there is whole or whole-minded, single-minded. That means you treat everyone the same. And then he goes on to give us examples of that. He treated us the same, even though we were under his wrath. He loved us. He made the greatest provision for us in giving his son. And so when Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemy, Pray for those who persecute you. What's he talking about? He's talking about this exact thing. He says, keep the kingdom in mind always, because the kingdom is above all. And you may see this person and go, I do not like that person. I hate that person. But Jesus sees that person and says, that person was made in the image of God. And that person I want in my family. Go to them. Just as he told Jonah, who absolutely hated the people of Nineveh, right? He says, go to them. Let them know so that they too can be reconciled to God. And that's our ministry. That is our ministry of reconciliation. We can't afford to hate people. We can't afford to hate people that we would call enemies because God doesn't want us us to see that in them. God wants us to see a potential brother or sister in him. That is what we're called to. And so we love all the same. So just as we would be wise to love ourselves and reconcile with God, we would be wise to love our neighbors and call them to reconciliation with God. So too, we would be wise to love our enemies and call them to reconciliation with God. And I love the language that Paul uses. We plead on Christ's behalf, be be reconciled with God. Not a one of us is above pleading for the kingdom. Pleading that they would get right with God. Because we know what the change in their life would mean. Maybe today you're the one that has that needs to get right with God. You need, you need some reconciliation with God. Maybe there's a neighbor that you want to pray for to reconcile with God. Maybe there's an enemy, someone that you have had issues with for a long time, that you just you're like, you know what? It's right. God wants them too. Maybe it's time for you to start praying for them that they would be and get right with God. Whatever it is that God has put on your heart this morning, I pray that you would do business with God, that you would answer his call as we stand and as we sing.
0: follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before The world behind me The cross before me The world behind me No turning back No turning back I have decided